Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today, and I want to give a very warm welcome to Pete Senna. Pete is the founder of Digital Surgeons, a creative consultancy that helps brands spark and design new opportunities for growth. With nearly 20 years of branding experience, he has led cross-functional teams delivering innovative bottom-line boosting activations and multi-channel programs for startups to Fortune 500 companies. Having worked with some of the world's leading companies, including Microsoft, Pepsi, Google, Hershey, his expertise in design, technology, and consumer behavior has enabled him to bring distinct recognition, driving positive change, and increasing business value. In 2018, he founded ThinkBoard, a Ford-obsessed community that connects creators to enable them to build world-class innovation. His dedication to cultivating and connecting business innovators led him to provide practical education, engaging events, and invaluable toolkits to drive significant progress in people's careers. Today, Pete and I are going to be chatting about how marketers can better use technology and AI to automate and build businesses faster and differentiate themselves from competitors to drive growth. We'll learn what works from Pete's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses miss the mark. Pete, welcome. So happy to have you here today. It's great to be here. Well, I would love to always start off with... How did you become this guru of AI and technology to lead so many businesses forward right now and help them? Well, I appreciate that. One, um, I wouldn't call myself a guru, but that's uh, a compliment coming from you and your background. Um, I would just say like, I've been a student of the internet, so I'm an 80s baby and just grew up and just to date myself a little bit for the audience, like I remember when signing online, you'd have to hear that sound dialing with a modem. So it's like, I think to answer your question, just I've been in design and tech for over 20 years at this point. So I've seen a lot of new technologies come up, go away, pop up, go away. And then obviously the past couple of years have been really interesting seeing a lot of new advancements in technology from you know AI to blockchain to all the other buzzwords that we're all sick of hearing at this point. So that that's a little bit just a back background. I, the thing I always like to say is why should you listen to me is the thing that the first thought that goes through your audience's head when they tune in. And I would just say, you know, I started my first company when I was in my college dorm room. I built that up to a national company and as a digital agency. And now I spend most of my time advising larger brands, helping them figure out new innovative strategies when it comes to marketing tech, innovation. So that could be like product services, experiences. And now these days, nobody wants to shut up about AI. So all the phone calls I'm getting are like, what's our AI strategy? How do we move faster with AI? So that's a little bit about why you should listen to me is that I've built a number of businesses. I do a lot of startup angel investing. And really, I just love to help entrepreneurs. And for me, not just entrepreneurs, but also entrepreneurs. So whether you're starting a business, running a business, or being inside somebody else's business, you know, we're all forward obsessed and trying to get to the next level in our career. So that's just a little bit about me. And hopefully it helps the audience get a sense of just what I'm here to do. No, that's really great. And I think, you know, a lot of our listeners started hearing about AI in January of this year. It's not like it's not been around, but something happened. Chat GPT went so big and now everyone's saying, AI, I have to have it. I need to know about it or I'm scared of it. Yeah. Um, you've obviously been working within the technology and kind of the AI fields for a little longer. Than that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of us have been using AI tools that people didn't even connect to the fact that they were AI in reality. I love that you said that. I totally agree with you. So what have you been seeing as the change now besides everyone saying, oh, chat GPT? So I would say 
the biggest change in the space is that previously people didn't, we didn't have unique applications for AI that everyone could touch or feel, mm-hmm. right? Typically you had to have really large data teams, analysts, machine learning departments, just people who are doing a lot with these different technologies. And they weren't really democratized. What I mean by democratized is every single one of you right now listening to the show, you can open up a browser and you can sign up for a free ChatGPT account. And what ChatGPT is, just the most simple terms is the company OpenAI, which was started as a research lab, most people don't know that, um, built one of the fastest growing products in history, over 100 million users um, as of a couple months ago. And then the number just goes up like crazy. And what ChatGPT essentially is, is they took the, the familiar, familiarity of a text message to being able to have a conversation. And then they added it to essentially the world's knowledge was sort of sucked up from the internet, stored in this really elaborate machine learning model. And then they did a bunch of human reinforcement learning on it. And I'm purposely sort of not getting overly techy on this because I don't want to lose people who aren't on this. But basically what they did is they took a knowledge engine, they took a reasoning engine, and then combined with this, all this knowledge that they were able to consume and the data that they bought and acquired, they're able to create this really simple interface that anyone can use. I mean, like a 10-year-old can use it or an 80-year-old can use it. And you can just have dialogue and conversation with this. And what was so powerful about that, to answer your, your earlier question, is it meant that people could write code by asking a question. It meant people that could answer questions. Do anything that you can think of, questions about politics, religion, anything like that, you can just ask this powerful technology. Previously, to have access to what they call a large language model or an LLM, it meant that you had to spend millions of dollars to train data sets, clean those data sets. And a lot of my clients, you know, some of the bigger ones that you mentioned in your the early reading, they've had machine learning or ML teams for well past 10 years, right? If you've bought anything from Amazon, you've been the benefactor of AI technologies for you know, 10 plus years at this point. If you've ever taken a blurry photo that your phone fixed for you, you've been the benefactor of AI technologies. So nowadays, to answer your question, it's in the mainstream because we can all access it, right? I can access the same technology that you can access and we can use these open AI models. The other thing that you might've noticed in the past 12 months is you've been seeing all these like cartoony images popping up on the internet, different selfies of people or people typing in, you know, cats on pianos and the computers are going and generating these beautiful images. I'm talking about technologies like Midjourney or Stable Diffusion or Dolly 2 and Dolly 2 is made by the same people of OpenAI. So to answer your question, the news cycle, you know, the news cycle first, you know, went feasted on crypto. And then when they got sick of crypto because all the crypto bros were losing their money and the markets were down, they needed something else to feast on. So if it bleeds, it leads. And AI is a great uh, topic for that because what we can do is we can instill fear in people, right? Fear that like the world is coming to an end. You're going to lose your job and AI is coming for it. It's going to be like the Terminator 2 movie. So I think ultimately a combination of fear and the democratization of these technologies has made it this big new awakening for a lot of people in business. So I hope that helps answer it in sort of non-jargony terms. Um, but that, that's what I'd say was driving these big shifts. And I think it's interesting that we're hearing such an outcry of people being worried about losing their jobs. I recently read an article which was written by a woman who said that she she positions herself as a comedian, but she's also a copywriter. And she's come out, you know, and said, oh, she's lost all of her work. There's no more jobs for her. There's so many restrictions. She's not getting booked for things. 
And all I can think about it, and, and part of her rationale by this way, is that now she's expected to be able to know how to program an e-newsletter. She's expected to know how to level it up and not just do copywriting and actually implement a program that she comes up with. And all I can think about that is that is how we actually move forward in life. That's how we progress, where it's not that AI is coming in and taking things away. We're just having to learn how to do some of the things that we did before in a smarter way and also learn new tools so that we can actually do things also in a smarter way ourselves. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. What I would build on that and say, besides yes and to everything you just say is- (laughs) it's a little bit of digital Darwinism, right? It's natural selection. So Mm -hmm. what I think is funny is that nobody cared when they had to stop riding horses and buggies and they could just get into a car. Nobody cared when they had to stop bringing their cameras to Walgreens and CVS to get their photos, you know, uh, Uh, developed from film to a digital camera and then from a clunky digital camera that had a floppy disk or a CD or a memory card down to the fact that we just carry these supercomputers in our pockets all day long now. It isn't until the thing comes for you that you actually start to care. And I think right now, you know, I was reading a stat the other day, it was a white paper, more than 80% of the jobs that we know today are at risk of being disrupted in some way. Now, now there's varies to disruption, right? In some cases, it means that job will no longer exist. In some cases, it means that that job will completely be changed. So what I think is back to the point about the comedian, I think it's comical that she commented that way because ultimately, for those of us that have been in some type of a digital job for the past few years, we know that all this stuff is changing every single time, every single day. So I think ultimately what this comes down to is you can make a choice if you're listening to this episode now or in the future. You can decide to sort of just try to wait it out and hope that this stuff all quiets down and the news goes on to something else. Not or you happening. can wake up, yeah, not happening. <laughs> not or happening. you can or you can wake up and and sort of be the change that you seek. Because at yeah. the end of the day, unless you're gonna go live in Bhutan, which you know is an area that they don't have any internet there and they don't, you know, it's, they're sort of living in this like very kind of tribal way of living. If you want to be a part of modern civilization, you're gonna to have to use these tools. So ultimately what I'm here to do is sort of take the spookiness out of it, right? There's a lot to be afraid of with AI. The privacy rights, the you know, all of the the, the bias that goes into it for people that um are not represented in, in current communities and situations. Now these AIs are just amplifying the the best and worst of humanity as with any technology. So I'm here to sort of take out the tech from it. I'm in the weeds on this stuff, right? So like when a new model comes out that you can send sound to and it creates a picture, these are the some of the models that are popping up every single day that I'm reading about that are just filling my inbox. I almost even have no time to do my work anymore because there's this new thing I'm trying to stay on top of. So, you know, I, I think the thing I would just say is this is not going to slow down it's going to continue to get faster. It's going to continue to be a bigger part of everyday life. But what I would also do is tell people to take a breath and realize that it's not going to bring about the apocalypse overnight. You know, technological changes take time. And contrary to popular belief on what you might read on the internet, I've met a lot of people who are sophisticated and successful that are not using ChatGPT or tools like it. And everyone's going to be okay. We just need to to be able to lean into what's possible with these things, in my opinion. Well, I think for businesses, it's also interesting to look at what can AI solve and be a tool for jobs that your team doesn't even want to do already or yes. that they're doing and it's a rote rinse and repeat. 
And they're not growing. They're not progressing. They're doing the drudgery because it's drudgery that needs to be done. But humans are meant to grow and be creative and to contribute. And by taking away some of that, we actually can be better. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. So with, you mentioned MidJourney, you, you know, and Dali too, what do you think is happening with all of these, you know, the actual visual aspects of AI? And, you know, we hear about the fact that someone has an extra elbow or extra finger or um, all sorts of different elements in their extremities. The content's getting better already that's being created, right? hundred percent. I mean, here's the thing. If you were to go to 20 universities right now, and you went to a freshman life drawing class, what you would notice is the inexperienced artists are going to screw up on hands and extremities, right? Hands and faces are very, very difficult for the brain to concept. These machines, these machine learning models, they're trained on the data that we feed to them and that we reinforce. So it's not surprising to me, I've been in sort of in the weeds in these tools that the things that we ourselves as humans suck at the machines on how we train them up also kind of suck at. So what I, I think if you look at like mid-journey, they're on like version five point something now. If you look at the first version of mid-journey to the new version of mid-journey, if you look at the new um, closed source dolly that people have uh, demoed, but we can't have access to it yet. These tools demonstrate for us that the, the models are improving a lot. I'll give you an example. Six weeks ago, I worked on a project for a, a songwriter and I did an AI music video based on the songwriter. So it was a video of the songwriter. And then we we created an AI video from that person. This was six weeks ago. Six weeks ago, it was generating things that had like three legs or two arms. It was like some weird stuff that was coming up. It was almost comical, but it was it was creative nonetheless. We started to, to do a test this past week, again, just six weeks ago, using access to some of the newer models. And it's transformationally different. You know, you look at tools out there like Runway ML and just some of the different things on how these people are launching these technologies. The advent of what they call generative AI, right? So these AIs that can create things that have never been created that are based on other things. The generative AI boom is a multi-billion dollar marketplace. And if you look at like the Goldman Sachs report or the McKinsey report that came out on this data recently, we're going to continue to see generative AI startups continue to pop up out of anywhere. I think what's going to be interesting to me is seeing how people start to solve new problems with it. Like there's probably 70 different tools that do AI copywriting. And I'll be honest, most of them are all built on this on top of the same exact underlying technology. It's OpenAI's GPT-3, 3.5 Turbo or GPT-4, right? Yeah. What I think is interesting is what companies like Anthropic are doing, right? Anthropic makes Claude. Um, they're doing some different things with giving people access to these technologies, right? But if you said, hey, Pete, give me an AI copywriting tool, there's a gazillion of them out there. Copy AI, WriteSonic, Jasper, um, copy, uh, copyright, spelled with the word uh, W-R-I-T. There's a million of them out there, right? And they all kind of do the same shit. So ultimately, what's going to make it be better for you or your business? You got to understand a couple of things. First, what people do you have and what are their superpowers? Second, what platforms do you have? And third is what are your workflows? So then you can start to think about like, there's an AI for every job in the future. I don't believe it's going to be one central repository of an AI. You're going to tap into different APIs. You're going to tap into different technologies. The same way that you don't go to the same restaurant every day, you're not going to go to the same AI every single day for different things. So I think that that's, that's where I, I start to see the advent of these things. What I would tell people is if you're not familiar with this AI stuff, 
make a list of all the things that you do every single day and take a highlighter pen or type this out however you want to work and highlight the things that you want to keep doing and highlight the things that you don't want to keep doing. And first go after the things that take energy that you don't want to do and figure out how you can A, delegate those to a human or better yet, do what I do, which is delegate them to an AI. And just to get really specific for a second, I've got tools where all my meetings get automatically transcribed. I have a set of questions that are my questions that get asked to the meeting notes. And then those things then create action items. So I built a series of prompts that do that. Um, and how I'm did hoping... you build this? Or did you build this? Like, So can you enlighten kind of us, oh, yeah. those who are next level? Like yeah. you built something. Yeah. <laughs> are you a programming genius or are there actually tools that make it easy to build? So there's definitely tools that make it easy to build. So I've been I've been building things for 20 years. So so for me to build a Python script that you know connects to an API and and does some things. A good example is we have a podcast that we do. Um, we feed the the video to a basically a Python script that we built. That Python script basically transcribes the video file, turns it into an audio file, gets all the text from it, gets all the the captions, that sort of thing. Looks for interesting clips. And then, you know, execute a series of things to chop those clips up. And then we have, you know, we use tools obviously like Zapier or Make that allows us to kind of push things up to social media scheduling tools like Metricool or, you know, you pick, it doesn't matter what the tool is, but in our case, it's, we're pushing files, the hard files get stored to Dropbox, the transcriptions go into spreadsheet-like objects um, like Google Sheets or whatnot, or Airtable, which is what we use a lot. And then that pushes content directly to the social API so that they can get scheduled, right? So um, stuff like that sends us solves us a ton of time, right? Um, but for the folks that are listening on the call that don't have a background in tech like I do, you can go on tools like Zapier, you can go on tools like Notion. And these tools now have a lot of these built-in technologies to do it, where you can do lots of fancy stuff. So for example, Something that we've used for a long time with, with a lot of our clients that are direct to consumer is we've used things where when a certain customer service request comes in from Zendesk or whatever, depending on what is said in that, you know, dispatch that to someone different, right? That stuff's been around for a long time. But what if I said to you, if you're an agency owner, anytime somebody says this phrase or this keyword in an email to you, what if it could automatically send a Slack to one of your employees, Right. That's the kind of stuff now that every single one of you can use using tools like a Zapier or a Make or one of these things. And it's really kind of WYSIWYG or what you see is what you get drag and click. That's sort of what I would call level one. So if I had to sort of break it down, like level one would be like, go on, use ChatGPT and tools like that. Level two would be like, start hooking these things up to one another and seeing how they can work for you. So level three would be once you've really tapped out what you can do for prompts and all that, then you're going to get into like fine tuning on your own data. And that's where stuff gets magical, right? So I had a franchise client recently come to me and my team, and they've got like a hundred thousand pages of like knowledge bases. Again, they've been a franchise for 30 years, right? They can go as far as they want with using tools like OpenAI, which is going to hallucinate or make up words. But now that they've got their own database, we can build what's called a vector database, right? So one of the companies getting a ton of money in this space right now, a company called Pinecone. And what a vector database is, is it's just a fancy, complex way to say, taking all your knowledge and I'm going to put it into a way we can easily access it. So now by combining these technologies together, you get access to a whole new layer of possibility that wasn't previously there. 
So again, I, I like to start from a sense of principles. Don't start from a, a sense of like technologies because the tech is going to keep changing. Like it's not going to, it's not going to slow down or change. It's going to get better. So what you have to think about is like, where are you wasting time in your business and what can't a machine do for you? And that's ultimately where I would say double down your efforts there and anywhere else where there's administrative stuff, email, Slack, booking calendar time, uh, transcribing content creation, you know, turning a blog post into a social post, all that kind of stuff can be really easily automated with these tools. And it's going to get a whole lot easier to the point where Instagram actually is, is piloting a AI detector where they're basically uh, reducing the, the, the tool, as I understand it, is going to reduce reach to people based on uh, flagging if it's been created with AI. And I think it's going to be a big problem. Like if you look at what Sam Altman just did with WorldCoin, right? He's talking about doing an eye scanner to prove your identification as a human, which to me is no different than like the 1980s movie Blade Runner, where we're like, are you a human? Are you a machine? And it's going to go and do that analysis for you. You don't need to know Microsoft Excel. You don't need to know Tableau or or Domo or all these big, you know, fancy tools that, that me and my teams use, but that's the power of these technologies. So going back to your first question, we've democratized access to being able to do all of these different things. The same way back in the eighties, it was like database people got this thing called SQL, right? Or a structured query language. So now you can write like humans, but you're still kind of like select star from whatever. Now you can just go in and, you know, I'm working with technologies now where I can say, show me the best marketing efficiency in this channel. And the thing automatically generates the charts. I mean, I can show you demos of this stuff. It's crazy. And as a marketer, you hear me getting passionate because I'm like, this is the kind of stuff that any of us can go on YouTube right now. I mean, I launched a 20 minute free course on this stuff because it was like, I was sick and tired of my friends and family being like, Pete, tell me how to use this. I'm like, go watch this freaking video, please. It's free. Um, but like, you can all go online and say, how do you use ChatGPT? Or if you're on LinkedIn, you're probably getting bombarded with these stupid messages and carousels. Like, here's the best prompts to do this. It's like, it's it's going to get much more annoying out there before it gets useful. But what I would say is I hope that's somewhat helpful for people to be able to just take and do something with. No, it's fantastic. I mean, really what it's done at our agency is we, anything that is with writing and and it's funny because our team has come to me and said that they feel like they're cheating and and of all ages, people are like, I don't think I should be doing this. I think I'm cheating. I'm like, are you using your brain to figure out what prompts to put in? Are you guiding it? Or are you just throwing something there and taking what it gives you and not using your eyes and your memory and your brain and your thoughts and your things, then yes, you're cheating. But if you actually are guiding this and you're using it as an assistant and you're talking to it, and we actually talk about talking to it nicely and thanking it and doing all these things because it makes you think of it more of how you'd communicate with an assistant versus Amen. just inputting things in. Amen. And so when you say, thank you so much, please. And, and it, it brings that into you, but it's, they soar and everything just gets more dialed in and it's faster. And the ability of what they can do at the even most entry levels of the business is just magnified. Yeah. I think, you know, what's interesting to me is like, I believe it's the questions that unlock the opportunities and the possibilities. You know, one of the things that I'm really passionate about is I definitely noticed a shift in the past couple of years where I went from running in-person companies to remote companies. And what I'm noticing is young people who don't have experience 
a lot of the osmosis that they get learning how to think from their bosses or managers, it's hard to get that osmosis through Zoom when you're on, you know, uh, a scheduled one-on-one, it's, everything's kind of forced versus like, and I'm a huge, I'm a huge introvert. You'd never know it when talking to me, but I am, I'll, I'll like not say 10 words for the rest of the night. My wife will be like, Oh, you're on a podcast today. Weren't you Pete? Um, <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, I think what I've found is younger people can really benefit from these tools, but I think it's up to folks like you and I to teach them how to use the tools in a way that's responsible and in a way that helps them level up. And because I think a lot of times the question is the answer. And a lot of times what I like about a tool like ChatGPT and and, and pick, just replace your favorite tool with ChatGPT, just for those listening to this, what I like about it is think about the number of things that you and I, Stacey, have Googled that we would never ask another human for, right? Like, like literally like whether it's health stuff or like personal stuff, like yeah. we Google stuff, we've been doing this for 10 plus years, like easily, right? I think young employees can do this now where they can kind of tinker on some things and then they can go to their manager or their boss and say, Hey, this is kind of what I came up with. I'm coming up short. Like, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, and I think that that's an interesting opportunity. What I think is the next paradigm that I'm really excited about is these autonomous agents. And that's something that we've been doing, um, newer work with nothing that I would say is substantive yet, but like, I'll give you an example. An autonomous agent is a AI that you give an instruction or a task to, and it completes it for you. So a good example is if I were to say, I need a research analysis done on the beverage market specific to how Gen Z is consuming seltzer beverages in this particular thing. That's something I would normally go to a junior analyst on or a strategist, and they would go and they'd pull research. They'd pull a bunch of stuff. They do a bunch of desk research, or maybe we'd go mm-hmm. third party or first party data. They'd pull that together. That would be a long-winded assignment. They'd probably work on it in, in pairs. It's not a singular task at this point. Now an autonomous agent, you can feed that same question set. It's going to go out. It's going to scrape the internet. It's going to fetch a bunch of the information. It's going to parse it. It's going to spit it out whatever format you want to spit it out in. And it's going to have it done for you 24 7, 365, whenever you want. What I love about tools like ChatGPT is it doesn't say, no, I don't want to work on the weekends or no, it's 5 01 PM. It's always there for you when you need it to the point where, like, I remember when they first launched it before they had the plus version and it kept timing out. It was like, I got so used to using it. I'm like, all right, the second they had that pro program, the plus the program. The $20, I signed on the day it came available. I'm like, I am not getting timed out. They could charge me a yeah. fucking thousand bucks a month. Yeah. Stacy. literally, if they're like, I'm going to charge yeah. you a thousand bucks a month for GPT-4 right now, yeah. I would pay that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Like there's like in, crazy. Yeah. What's interesting to me, what, and I don't know if you've seen this with ChatGPT-4, its memory has gotten less. And so like when I was able, yeah, I was able to put like an article in paste and like say, you know, do a summary, put another article, do a summary. And then I'd say, you know, write a summary of the two articles. And now it's like, which article do you, are you referencing? It gets, it's, it's obviously as they're narrowing it, they're doing work on it. It is changing the dynamics. um, And one thing I would say to do like tomorrow, and I'm not even joking is find the the tag for the open AI bot and have your team tomorrow, and I'm not even kidding you, add that to robots.txt so that you legally do not give them access to be able to scrape your data. Then three years from now, when someone is, is feeding back 
somebody else's information using your proprietary blog information, now you actually have a legal uh, precedent. We will in the next three to five years, no question, see class action lawsuits go through the roof as a result of these people who without rights consumed our data and trained it on there. You know who, I, who who's super pissed right now is the McKinsey's of the world because all their white papers, all their smart strategic things, like you can basically be an MBA in a box now if you know how to use chat GPT. Right. Yeah. So it's, so, it's scary. legal too. You have a legal agreement and I'm not saying replace your lawyer by any means, but let's just say you have an agreement and you're not quite sure of what everything it says in it, you feed it in there and you can ask ChatGPT to tell you what's missing from it. What are the areas that are red flags that you should be concerned yeah. about? And it gives you awesomely good insight back. Just don't ask it for legal precedent because then you'll get in trouble like that lawyer did. Did you see that? Yes, I did. When you quit, uh, he he co- quoted case law that never was in existence. Exactly. And then the judge was like, do not ever bring this to the table again. I will disbar you. <laughs> that article was hilarious. Yeah, but there are some platforms out there I think that are great too that you know we've even used in order to um, do research and in different platforms like um, I want to say is it um, uh, Perplexity yeah. AI and yep. so I will Which ask has investment from Google Google yeah. has some investment from them yeah for sure okay I will ask some questions like um, product placement stats or things that are keywords and it will actually show me which articles which are usually ours that come up so I'm like yes we're out there so all of this is a really cool yeah. for your content marketing for your just research there's so much about it and it's endless oh, it's really I powerful. can keep talking to you for like two more hours on this but yeah no we should stay in touch our- I'm wondering if there's ways to collaborate. I mean, there's a, clearly both of us are using this stuff. Yep. It's refreshing to talk to you because I have to be. I have to say, I work with some really progressive companies, and you're like light years beyond where many of them are in terms of just your literacy on the stuff, the way that your teams are already using it. So it's really inspiring to see that you know I'm not just talking to myself, which is great. So thank you so much for that. Well, of course. Well, I'm a complete tech geek on all things and an early adapter. It doesn't necessarily mean that I adapt it the right way, but we're trying. <laughs> so thank you. How can people find you? What is your information for our listeners? Yeah. So I would say is um, I'm Pete Senna on most of the platforms. Um, my long form stuff is, is Pete Senna on Medium. Um, I do some share cropping on there. Um, I have a free newsletter that I put out every two weeks uh, called The Ford Obsessed Founder, and that's on PeteSenna.com. Um, there's a link to, to the thing. So I, I kind of, on that newsletter, I post about just like top of mind stuff. So you can always, you know, new AI stuff, new creativity stuff, business tech. Um, I try to really curate that based on things that are actionable for people that are like really obsessed with the next step. Um, I don't generally like to be put too much in there. So it's, it's sort of simple streamlined, you know, I send that out every two weeks on Fridays. Um, so that's basically the, the main way. And then I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter or thanks to Elon X. Um, but um, I don't know how much longer I'll be uh, still touting Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> don't even get me so, started on that one. What are, you know, for a last takeaway, because again, I could talk to you forever on this, but last takeaway, what do you think is the single move that companies need to make right now? With respect to AI or in general? Hey, well, I don't know. I take both. We'll start with so, AI and then we'll so go with say, wherever your brain went. So 
I think I'll start broader and then I'll go to AI. So I think broader is, I think companies have to understand where they're at and the distance between where they're at and where they want to get to. And they need to start incrementing their way forward to that. As for like AI, I think people need to stop worrying about AI taking their jobs and AI is not going to take their job, but companies and people using AI will. So I think that ultimately we have to level up or get leveled um, when it comes to AI. So I think that the single first place to start is tuning into information like they're listening to right now with you, which is follow people like you, you know, listen to business owners that are using these tools that are saving people time, that are, that are cutting down on costs. Um, that's where I would start. Um, and just start Googling more shit. And I know that sounds crazy, but like, just follow the, the, the white rabbit, you know, as it goes through the different things, like play with the tools, sign up for them. Almost all of them have free trials, play with them, you know, see what you can learn from them. Look at the, the tools and technologies that you use in your business and ask yourself if it's not a plumber or, um, a Mason or one of these like physical hands-on jobs, Every single other job right now is going to be displaced, replaced, or disrupted as to what these tools can do. So um, whether it's pictures or words or videos or process or legal, every single one of these industries right now is under siege um, by some tool like this. Um, so it ain't going anywhere. I would say like, don't be afraid of it. Lean into it. It's the early days. So it's not like you've missed a lot. I mean, what we just talked about in this call, Stacey, you and I, while me and you have been in this game for a long time the rules of this game are like less than 12 months old. So yeah. you're not that late to the party folks. If you're listening to it, you know, I would say it's a great reason to tune into folks like Stacy because you're going to be able to get, um, you know, all the update information from, from people that do this stuff. So I hope that's helpful and not like alarming. Cause I know that sometimes my passion can be a little bit much. No, I think your passion is excellent. And it, and it really is. I mean, there is a tool for literally everything out there. It is amazing what is there. And it's just going to keep on coming out. And I think the biggest issue I see for companies and I see for my clients is they don't have a lead inside of their company to take, like for my company, it's me, but they don't, most companies don't have someone who is looking for the holes of how they're doing business and where they could actually be moving forward. That's the best opportunity for jobs right now for people in college, like for someone to be able to go out there and learn, but also even for people to reposition themselves right now where someone knows enough about how, you know, they're a little bit more senior, they're in their 40s, they're in their 50s, their life is not over, but they know how business works and how it has worked and they can get up to speed on all the technology and the opportunities. You can make a mint. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think that like what you're going to see now, even if you watch LinkedIn, is just these new titles that are coming out of nowhere, like prompt engineer or chief automation officer. Like yeah. I'm I'm making a jest of them now, but like these are real important roles that people need yeah. to understand. You know, like prompts are the key to unlocking these LLMs. Um and learning how to write prompts is a really important thing. So that's, that's one of the reasons I, I made that, that little free thing was like, like I'm not even joking. I probably had 20 people a week. I'm not even joking. 20 people a week that were reaching out to me on text, Instagram, my personal friends, Facebook, whatever, you know, TikTok, wherever. And they're like, Pete, how do I learn how to make good prompts? And I was like, so I just sat there, I made a PowerPoint, you know, or a keynote. And I just was like, all right, I'll walk through this, go watch this. And it saved me a lot of meetings, teaching people how to use chat GPT. Well, it was fantastic, Pete. I really cannot thank you for coming on. You have tremendous insight, more insight than 
the average person who is a specialist in this area. Like you really do know a lot. So all of our listeners, you know, please, you know, check out Pete, follow him, read his bi-weekly newsletter. I think that he's going to be able to help you really learn and grow and soar into this whole world of AI. Yeah. And just try something new. So let's just have a little fun. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you this next week. And until then, if you're interested in how to get your brand embedded in other people's content, let's say product placement and movies and TV shows or music videos, give my team a call and we'll chat some more. Have a great one.